0: Welcome to another episode of Just Jerry Live, Plotting Perspectives in Church Life with Todd Bryant
1: and Jeff Short.
0: You guys had any snow?
1: We've had a little bit, but I think it's all about gone now.
0: Yeah, I knew there was quite a storm that came through up that way. Uh, I've wondered if the weather in West Virginia and Illinois was similar. <laughs>
1: Well, the storm, actually what it did was came through on two consecutive weekends. So out of two Sundays, we only were able to have one service because of the weather.
0: You ought to be well prepared for your next sermon.
1: One would think. It's probably going to be a a barn burner.
0: (laughs) Well, we have received a question. Actually, we received this question several weeks ago and said that we would try to get to it uh, in our next episode of Just Jerry. And the question that has been asked is that we would describe the difference between apostasy, heresy, and error. So describe the difference between apostasy and heresy and error. Those are terms that are often thrown out today. Do you see that?
1: Oh, we definitely see that. You know references to apostasy and and heresy, especially, uh, which usually is uh, basically a charge leveled at anyone that disagrees with me about anything.
0: <laughs> well, I think just to begin the episode, we probably need to admit that none of us have it all figured out. The Bible is a big book, and most of it is pretty straightforward, though we are not nearly as in touch with it as we might think, but there are some really difficult things in scripture and none of us are going to completely figure it out before we leave this life. Right. In fact, if I'm not recalling wrongly, Peter even says that Paul has written some things which are difficult to understand. Absolutely. Certainly they're going to be difficult for us. So let's, let's get some definitions out there. Error. Let's let's define error first. How how would you define that?
1: I would say error is is just where we've gotten something wrong. We've looked at a verse or a passage and we've either misinterpreted, you know, misconstrued the meaning, we've maybe we've just misapplied it. It's not something I I would say that it's probably the the lowest level of this group, but it's it's also something that every one of us is guilty of to some degree. I mean, because the only alternative to that would be to say, here's the Bible cover to cover, and I have every single word of it exactly right. Well, you know, no one's gonna make that kind of statement if they got any sense at all. So
0: So let me hold uh, let me let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. You you said percentage wise, one hundred percent of Christians have some error or some positions which are errors. Is that that what you said?
1: I believe that's correct. I mean, I don't see how it can be otherwise because we are finite. We are fallible. I mean, we just don't have every single thing right.
0: I mean, I completely agree with that. How would you say that should cause us to view our Christian friend over here who we have disagreements with on an issue that we would not define as heresy, which we'll talk about in a second, how should that cause us to view that person if we think they are in error, when we realize that we have our own errors too?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I have been around a while on the earth. I have not lived as long as you have. I I knew Uh, that. You're you're much older than I am, but (laughs) I have lived a little while and I've had the experience of learning, of learning things I previously knew nothing about. And I've also had the experience of correction where I was wrong about something previously and and through learning and study and what have you come to see that I was, I didn't have all the information, whatever, but I was just, I was wrong about this or that. So having gone through that experience, I believe one of the effects it should have on us should be humility, you know, just because, you know, we see someone that maybe they're in error on some point, we should have a certain amount of humility to recognize that, you know, we ourselves don't, don't have everything figured out. And also sometimes these things take time. It just takes time for study and, and for thought in order to, you know, get a hold of whatever the, the true thing is.
0: Well, absolutely. You know, theologically understanding grace as it is taught in scripture should teach humility but I think you're right. I, I think the experience that God puts us through and what we could perhaps term as sanctification, and that's growing and, you know, repenting and realizing that we don't have it all figured out, that process should also cause us to become more humble, we, where we should realize we're not at the top of the rung right. yet. We are still being conformed into the image of Christ, but we're not there yet. So understanding that we have error, which we should be as we grow, laying aside more and more error, but realizing that we all are fallible should cause us to be a little bit more patient with our friends next door who we think are perhaps in more error than we are.
1: So absolutely.
0: So error really is just any deviation from biblical truth, whether that be something very minor that you and I might disagree on to something major and and there are degrees of error i'm sure we would agree there right so everybody's guilty of error everybody what about the term heresy that that term is often thrown out there quickly it it seems as though we are very willing to put that term and that label on various beliefs and belief systems of people here Here's a definition of heresy that I looked up. It it says the belief or opinion contrary to orthodox religious, especially Christian, doctrine or an opinion profoundly at odds with what is generally accepted. Now, that definition doesn't exactly jive with the way the word heresy is used in the Bible. Would you agree? No, it does not. Okay, so... Clearly, we use that word differently today than the way that it's actually used in Scripture. So maybe we can explain that. You you want to give that a
1: stab? Well, I think that definition does reflect modern usage of the term heresy or the labeling of someone as a heretic. But when you look at the words used in the New Testament, for instance, it really it means more along the line of division or sectarian or sectarian. Or schismatic, so heresy would be dividing, dividing, trying to create perhaps a a faction within a church body, trying to draw away you know followers or sympathizers you know to yourself. And I think it was uh, A.T. Robertson in his Word Pictures that he talked about. It was you know having a having a party spirit, you know, developing various parties and and what have you. And and I would say that you you could see. Some of that form of heresy in Paul's letter to the Corinthians when he said that there were some that you know i'm of paul i'm of Ap- I'm of apollos, I'm of cephas, I'm of Christ, you know th- there was there was divisions within the church at Corinth now that may or may not involve some sort of doctrinal error. it certainly can and oftentimes probably does, but the word in and of itself. Points to that division and to that divisive spirit and factiousness. I think is one of the one of the ways I've seen it described.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the word I was about to use. I I know the authorized in uh, First Corinthians eleven uses the word divisions there, and that word can and has been translated as factions as well. So in 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 biblical usage, the word heresy really talks about just division within the body. But today we do we do use that word. in in a different sense, and we talk about a belief, a doctrine that is contrary to what is accepted religious Christian belief. Now, that is a, you know, today Christianity is so broad and has so many umbrellas under the big umbrella that I don't even know that you could make that statement. But when you begin to think about things that are contrary to major Christian doctrine, you begin to think about, something that contradicts salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, you know, a doctrine that would contradict the Trinity like this oneness doctrine of some Pentecostals today, that would be viewed as a heresy by this definition here. Right. But heresy is, is a major charge. Is it not? I, I mean, by today's usage and I would say even biblically, it's a major charge, though it's a different charge. But by today's usage of the word heresy being a a doctrine that contradicts a foundational tenet of Christianity, that's not a term we should just toss out there without thinking it through. Would you agree?
1: Oh, I definitely agree with that.
0: Okay. So the other term that is, that is we've been asked to talk about that is tossed out is apostasy. And I think we do have, some scripture on apostasy um, that is that's commonly used. But apost- let me just give you this definition of apostasy that I found and see if you think this will work. The abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. Now that's just straight out of the dictionary. In Christian circles, I think we could define apostasy as walking away from Christ, turning your back on Christ. You know, the writer of Hebrews talks to the, the saints that he's writing to, those Jews that were being tempted to go back to the temple, to turn away from Jesus as the Messiah and turn back to the sacrificial system. And he tells them in chapter 10 not to throw away their confidence. You know, he tells them to endure, to keep on keeping on, to continue to trust Christ. And he even tells them that if they go back to the temple, there's nothing there for them because salvation is wrapped up in Christ would you say that the, the charge of apostasy would be someone who walks away from the faith, so to speak? Is that is that fair?
1: I believe that's what the picture is from the New Testament. Obviously, the letter to the Hebrews is a, a great example of that. You are turning away from Christ to, to go back to the temple, to go back to the sacrifices. To, of course, you know, the whole letter um, shows how that Christ is better. And not, not just that he's better, but also he was the end of all those things. He was the fulfillment of all those things. He was what those things were pointing to and anticipating. And, you know, once he has come, you know, those things are fulfilled and they're, they're done away. And so to turn back to that is to turn away from Christ, to go away from God. Actually, to turn back to that would be to embrace a false religion at this point, because of what christ has done when i think about paul's words to the galatians as well in his letter to the galatians where he made very plainly he said if you know if anyone preaches another gospel let them be accursed so the preaching of another gospel would be apostasy that would be a false gospel that would be a going away from christ that would be a true falling away?
0: Well, I think the apostle John writes about that as well in 1 John 2, when he says, you know, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Or if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. In other words, they walked away from Christianity to another religion. They left. This is not about leaving one denomination and going to another. That's that's an argument for another episode whether we would agree with a move like that this is they went out and left the faith they turned away from Christ and they walked back into the course of this world and maybe you know reembraced Islam or Hinduism or or some other ism the the point right. that John is making is they never were converted to begin with we're not Absolutely. suggesting that an apostate was actually saved and then becomes lost again. That's not the biblical picture. They went out from us because they weren't of us to start out with. That's the point that John is making. So apostasy is just turning your back on Christ, denying Christ when you've professed faith in him previously. So we've got these three definitions here. Error, which everybody is guilty of. Heresy, which is biblically division, or today in modern terms, denying a major tenet of the faith. And apostasy is the strongest of those terms, which would actually be turning away from the faith, perhaps even to another God, that God might be humanism yourself, or that God may be Allah, but it's actually turning away from the faith. Is it problematic then that we so often see these terms used interchangeably, synonymously?
1: Well it is problematic. I mean we could probably make one argument and say that certainly is not loving your neighbor very well. If someone has just committed an error on some verse or something to accuse them of heresy or to accuse them of apostasy, you know, is actually to accuse them of a greater sin than what they're guilty of. So, you know, it's it's unjust, you know, so it's certainly not a very good way of loving our neighbor that we are supposed to to use those terms synonymously probably gets into the area of slander.
0: Oh, I agree. I think we don't see the importance oftentimes of rightly using words. Words matter. Definitions matter. And these matter greatly. I drive past several churches every day almost. There's there's hundreds of churches in this county where I'm at. And sometimes I'll see on a sign, we are a traditional Bible-believing, yada, yada, yada church. And then on the next sign, it may say, you know, we're open to you, come as you are. And I mean, those are clearly different ways of conducting a service, one being more what we call traditional, one being more contemporary. One may sing only hymns, and one may sing in Christ alone. You know, this, this episode is not about defending either of those. But as far as the word apostasy at least, neither one of those are considered apostasy in the biblical, you know, definition, right? I mean, neither one of those are denying Christ.
1: Right, yes. I, I believe apostasy it it does involve a denying of Christ. And someone could probably do that and still be, you know, naming the name of Christ. You mentioned John's first epistle earlier, and one of the good things about that book is that it shows you how to evaluate those claims you know if if someone you know claims to be a follower of christ but you know and a lover of god but they hate their brother well what does john tell you well truth's not in them they're a liar so they're the claim that they make to christ is not true so it's not just a verbally you know using the name of jesus but apostasy is a denying of christ the true christ of scripture
0: I agree. And, you know, we're probably from group to group are going to have some things that we see to be more critical than another group may see. For instance, you know, I believe, and I know you do as well, that proper baptism is done by immersion. I think that's the biblical stance. And I think that that's the meaning of the word. And that's historically what we see in Christianity. But some today would say, no, it's not the mode that matters. It's just that it's done according to the right gospel. Those would be major differences. One of us would see that as a heavier truth than the other, obviously, but we still need to be cautious in what we would label an error, which I believe, you know, to be an error, but I would not consider it apostasy. And I think we need to be cautious that we use those terms correctly in giving people labels. Okay. So. If we're going to determine then what are the big things, what are those foundational principles of the faith that we don't want to step over, we don't want to go at wrong, we we want to make sure we're doing those things right, what is the fix for all three of those? Uh, I mean, error, heresy, and, and apostasy, What where do we start?
1: Well, I believe that we we have to start with truth, and truth is what is revealed to us in the scriptures you know god has given us his written word his word is truth you know we are guided in coming to the truth through his word we're sanctified through his word we're, we're matured through his word and so we do need to be concerned about truth and that's going to include you know the truth that we're telling about one another and so if i'm accusing you of heresy for instance we got to realize that's a very serious charge you realize titus three ten says that if one is guilty of heresy he should be excommunicated from the church he's a member of second peter 2 1 says that if one is guilty of heresy essentially he is one and the same with false prophets galatians chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 one who is guilty of heresy will not inherit the kingdom of god you think about places like romans 16 and 17 and Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 and verse 14, faithful Christians are required to completely withdraw and separate themselves from one who is guilty of heresy. That's a very serious sin.
0: Well in two so, times in that first chapter of Galatians, two times the one that's preaching a false gospel, Paul and tells those churches there in that Galatia area, that that person is to be accursed and then he turns right around and repeats himself again as if to say look listen closely let right. him be accursed so yes those charges are very serious in light of all of these scriptures you know on this
1: yeah so if if we're going to fix the you know misuse of such terms then we need our understanding and our use of these terms to be informed by scripture so really going to the bible especially just working through verse by verse and going through books of the bible and and preaching and teaching those things and having discussions and and things along those lines first of all it's going to bring us to a more sound conviction of the truth of scripture it's going to bring us to a better understanding it's going to mature us but it also you know will help us to sort those things out if someone thinks that you know melchizedek was a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, and someone else thinks that you know Melchizedek was just a man, but he, but as a man, he was a figure of Christ to come. Well, okay, well, but, you know, both can't be right, you know, and of course, maybe both are wrong. That's always an option, but both can't be right when they have you know such different views. But does that sort of a difference rise to the level of calling someone a heretic or? You know, is someone guilty of apostasy, you know, because they have one view or the other of of the identity and nature of Melchizedek? Well, certainly not. Um, Now, one could be guilty of heresy if they use that in some way to try to cause division within a church and to create a a faction and and things, you know, around that and to draw people away. And well, then that would be heresy. But uh, somebody's right about that passage. Somebody's wrong about that passage. And so somebody's, you know, just in error. But we can recognize that, you know, that doesn't rise to the level of what Paul is talking about that that we should do with someone who's guilty of heresy and someone being accursed, you know, because they're guilty of apostasy.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that particular passage because I grew up believing that, well, let me not get into the specifics of the passage. It doesn't matter in this episode, but I, I grew up believing a certain thing about Melchizedek based on just common teaching and then I preached through Hebrews a few years ago. And when you really preach it verse by verse and you get to that portion and you really see what the scripture's saying, it's, it's about something completely different than what I was brought up teaching. My point being that wasn't an apostasy. That wasn't a heresy. I was what I think I was wrong. And now I'm more correct, you know, on that. And that's what. The methodical preaching of God's word will do. It it is strange, really, Jeff, that you would suggest preaching these books as God wrote them. and that, that's weird, right?
1: Well, that seems to be such a a strange idea today. But of course, studying things throughout history, we see it was very common.
0: (laughs) I don't, I don't want this to become about sequential expository. But what would the writer of Hebrews have thought if? he sent that letter to those saints and they just opened up to chapter seven and read a few verses and closed it up and say, okay, that's good enough for us. Would, would he, would, would God have been pleased with that?
1: (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, Paul gave instruction, you know, for his letters to be read to the church and to be circulated, you know, and obviously meaning for them to be read in their entirety, you know, and to be circulated and read and amongst the different assemblies. So, I mean, what's the purpose of, of writing a letter? I mean, if I sit down and compose a long letter to someone. It's not just that I want them to read, you know, sentence three and paragraph fifteen, you know, I want them to read the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and I I do agree that the preaching of Scripture, all of Scripture, the whole counsel of God, Genesis to Revelation twenty two, will focus us on the main plain things of Scripture, which which are those big ticket items. The things that we see Mentioned again and again and again and again repetitiously in scripture are those big ticket items, and they will they will not only sanctify the person studying but they will sanctify the church as a body if the congregation is hearing God's word taught accurately and methodically as it's given and and a church body will begin to focus on those main plain things. And and therefore, those errors will fall away and those apostasy or or the members that might be, you know, apostate will leave or be converted (laughs) and, (laughs) uh, you know, heresies will be guarded against. So I agree. Okay, so I I think we can uh, we can sort of we can sort of sum this up in that there there is a problem today with throwing terms around that really don't mean what people think they do and using terms synonymously that are a long way from synonymous terms and ultimately if we aren't careful we will be slandering a brother or sister in Christ because by using a term wrongly we actually are waging a false charge towards them is that fair
1: i think that is fair and if you know especially if as we've talked about if if there's just an error somewhere or you know a disagreement on something and then we label someone a heretic or an apostate you know, we've leveled a very serious charge against them. If that is in fact not the case, then our slander has probably become a more serious sin and a more more serious problem, you know, than their original error. Boy,
0: that's quite a thought, but I don't know how to argue against it. (laughs) You got anything else you want to add?
1: I think that's all for today.
0: One more problem in the world that has been solved by just Jerry Live. How about that?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, let's just face it. We are problem solvers. That's, that's just what we do. And uh, we're thankful for all of those just coming along on this journey with us.
0: <laughs> all right. Until next time, uh, this is Just Jerry Live signing off. Have a wonderful day.